You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. He looks up at his audience and they're listening intently. And he goes straight into the next story about a woman who had eight, uh, t- 10 coins and one coin went missing. And rather than go to bed and think she'll find it tomorrow, she did what I would do. And that is not sleep because you can't sleep. Because <laughs> you go to bed and you're thinking, now what did I look here? Did I look there? Have I checked that out yet? Where could it be? Uh, she puts the light. She puts the light on, and she spends the whole night pulling the house apart from one end of the house to the other. She sweeps the house from left to right, looking for the coin. She finds the coin, and Jesus reports the fact that she calls all her friends around, and she has a party that was one tenth of her wealth that was going to sustain her into her older years. She brings all her friends around, and she holds a party. And then he sort of pauses for a moment, looking at his audience, and goes into another story. This is another story about loss. And the reason he, I think he tells these stories is because it's very human to experience loss. Uh, you've all experienced loss. You've all lost things that were really valuable to you. And this is now we're getting on to a human loss. Um, and many of us in this room have experienced human loss. Somebody who was very close to us. And for some reason or another, they're not in our world today. Well, there was a, a father, many of you know the story, the prodigal son, probably the, the best known story ever told. Uh, one of the boys comes and says, Father, give me my share of the inheritance now. Uh, you are good as dead to me. And he takes off half the estate, clears off into the night, finds himself in some compromising situations over the course of a period of time, wastes all his money on wine, women and song, if you will, and finishes up feeding pigs and decides, I've got to go back to dad. And so on his way back to dad, he rehearses this little speech in his mind about, you know, I've sinned and against you and God and please forgive me, Let's make, please make me a servant uh, in your home. And he gets back to that point where he's about to, to enter into the area where his parents' home is. And as he continues to walk down that road, he hears these noises, thud, 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 thud. He looks up and there running directly at him is his father. His father embraces him, puts his arms around him. He, he's about to launch into his prepared speech, I've sinned against you and, you know, uh, heaven and please forgive me and can I just be a servant? And the father says, be quiet, bring a robe, bring a sandal, bring a ring. And the next thing we see the father doing is having a party. There's a party going on. There was three very common elements in all of those stories and they bring to us something that is, uh, I believe, of the heart of God. Because no other time in all of Scripture do you get this. Three messages, one after the other, boom, 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 saying the same thing. If God's doing it three times in a row, then he's got something he wants you to understand. And of course, the first thing I believe is this. See, something of significant value was lost. Um, The lamb. Shepherds would give their life for their sheep. The the lamb was of significant value. Uh, The coin was of significant value. The sun was obviously of significant value. Uh, I I don't want to sound too much like a scatterbrain, but uh, who's ever lost a credit card? Hands up if you've lost a credit card. Come on, be honest with me. Yeah, I hate losing credit cards. (laughs) 
And, and I've lost credit cards as, along with um, passports. As a matter of fact, there's one missing right now. Uh, this is my Visa card. Anyway, I'll have to find that one later. Uh, no, it's, yeah, no, it is here. Sorry, it is here. It's hiding in the corner. Uh, the funny thing is, when you lose a credit card, right, and, you know, I got a number of, of, of credit cards. None of these credit cards give me any joy at all, but the lost one, when I find it, gives me a great sense of relief. I take joy in the one that, is, that, that was lost and that is found, and yet the ones that I have in my wallet don't move me emotionally at all. There is something about finding that which is lost that brings you joy and you all understand it. And, and, and what Jesus is communicating is that lost people matter to God. And the reason he's communicating it is because there were these religious types there who thought somehow they were favoured by God because they didn't drink and they didn't chew and they didn't go with girls that do, if you know what I'm saying, right? They lived a chaste, moral, high kind of life. And they thought they were important to God. And Jesus is telling them a very important lesson that when something that is lost is found, that's that lost things matter to God. Just like the lost sheep matter, like the lost coin matter, like the lost son mattered. That shepherd, which brings me to, I guess, the second point, which is that, that what the shepherd did. The shepherd went out in what we might call search and recovery mode. And you know what this is about because you've been in the mode, haven't you? When you lost something, you get to this search and recovery mode and you, you, you're becoming more observant, you're focused. And the shepherd goes out into the, the wilds of the evening of the wilderness in search and recovery mode, listening, watching, walking, very, very purposeful in what he is achieving. That's what the shepherd is about. And you can see the woman. She lost the coin. The sun has gone down. There's no electric lights. So she has to burn oil. Oil's a precious commodity. We don't have a lot of oil to burn. But, but, but what is lost is so valuable, I'm going to burn the oil. So she lights all the lights in the house. She gets as much oil that she can burning because the value of the thing that is lost. And she searches and she sweeps and she sweeps every square inch of that house in a very, very meticulous and focused way. She's in what we would define, I suggest, as search and recovery mode. You know it because you've been in that mode. And the father, it's kind of like he's given the running of the property to his older son. Because every day he's coming out, watching the horizon for, for a shape that looked like the shape of his son. Every day he's just there in search and recovery mode with his binoculars, looking at, uh, across the roads that lead back to his home. Wondering, is that person, is that my son? Is the person gets a little bit closer? I think it might be. I think it might be. No, no, he's a different gate, a different walk. No, that's not him. Oh, there's another person. Is that my son? It looks like it could be. He's about the same age, same colour hair. No, no, no. It's different, different. And this has been going on, we don't know, probably for months. But day after day after day, this man maintains what I will define as his, his search and recovery mode, okay? 
So here's the thing, right? Look at me. Just whatever you're doing right now, just look at me and forget about uh, taking notes. Forget about thinking about what you're going to be doing in half an hour's time because this is the point of the whole message. What is it going to take for you to stay in search and recovery mode? Because that's what Jesus came literally to do. In fact, the Bible says in um, Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus says, For I have come to seek and to save the lost. I have come to what? To search and recover. Jesus came to search and recover. That's our job, folks. That's our mandate. Jesus goes on in, in John 3, 17 and says, I did not come into the world to condemn the world. I didn't come to point out the fact that you guys are not living up to the standard that our religion requires. And all those pious people who were standing around as he's telling these three stories, one after the other, after the other, were thinking to themselves, we've been able to keep the law, but these haven't. These, there's something wrong with them. Jesus, I haven't come to put condemnation on people, but I have come that they might be saved. In each one of these stories, the shepherd leaving the sheep behind and going off searching for the one, the woman lighting her, her precious oil and staying up all night sweeping every square inch of the house. The father turning his back on the affairs of the estate and watching the horizon around his property for the entrance of his boy. Each one of these has a cost attached to it. See, lost people matter to God. They matter to God. They matter to God to the point where the cost doesn't matter. And if we're going to stay in the search and recovery mode, we've got to appreciate the cost, folks. There's a cost to us, but we've got to understand that whatever the cost is, the cost of not is far greater. And there's something about Aussies. There's something about Aussies when somebody is lost, they just want to volunteer. They just want to help. I want to get involved in the search and recovery expedition. I want to be there. If you've lost your kid out in the bush and I can help, I'm going to help, right? There's something about you. There's something about our culture that is predisposed towards this getting involved in the search. But you and I evolved in the search. Unfortunately, it's not a physical search. It's a spiritual search and sometimes we can lose, lose track of it. How many remember, I'm going to show the video in a moment, how many remember, um, uh, it was about 12 months ago, when those boys got caught in the, the cave uh, in, in um, Thailand, uh, those cave boys they called them, those, that little Thai soccer team, uh, and the search and recovery mode of the world, as the world gathered together to save the lives of those dozen or so young men. And who do they call? They call Aussies. Why? Because they need somebody who was an anaesthetist who also was an expert cave diver, right? Two pretty peculiar set of skills. Uh, not everybody is an anaesthetist. And not everybody is a cave diver. I would suggest if you went to that you know, percentage of the world that is anaesthetist, it'd be pretty small. Percentage of the world that are cave divers, pretty small. Percentage of the world that are anaesthetists and cave divers, really, really tiny. Two guys in Adelaide. Let's hear their story. Can we run the video? 
On the day I left to go to Thailand, I was in the operating theatre and I had a call from Rick Stanton, the, the British lead diver, and he asked if I could come over and consider sedating the children to get them out of the cave. I was pretty horrified at that idea, to be honest, and I didn't think it was possible, but I did agree to come over and give them a hand. And Rick said to me, and something that has really made me stop and think, that he said, you know, Harry, if you come over, it's likely that you're going to swim to the end of the cave. You're going to look at these kids and see their beautiful smiling faces, and then probably you're going to swim away and leave them to die. So it was pretty sobering uh, to hear that from Rick, and it actually made me second-guess myself and wonder whether I really should be going over. The next day, we were, we were diving in the cave. We saw these kids with their own eyes, and I can't tell you how amazing they were, they were how resilient they looked, how much they were still smiling and walking around. For a completely disparate group of international people to come together with the goal of saving the lives of 12 children and their coach, who they'd never met before, didn't know anything about, that tells me that the spirit of humanity is really still alive out there and we just have to uh, navigate our way through all the badness and, and, and find the good stuff that's still there in mankind. <laughs> you know, if we could get a vision of the spiritual dimension, uh, he's right, the world did stop to watch those 12 cave boys, I think, and their, their coach or their teacher be rescued and we were hanging on, you know, is it going to happen? What's going to happen? Are they going to get him out alive? Are they going to get him out at all? And of course, when they got him out, because everybody understood the gravity of the situation, <laughs> what do you think happened? Exactly what Jesus said in the story. There was great rejoicing. Jesus, Jesus said when the, when the shepherd you know, found his, his lost sheep, it's hard for us to try to connect into the story because, you know, we like sheep, don't we, right? I like sheep along with my potatoes and uh, pumpkin, you know. Like we don't really have the same connection to sheep like the shepherds did back in Jesus' day. Uh, maybe, you can, maybe you can connect a little bit better with the, with, the, with the woman, with the money, because I know you love your money. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and it's, it's a, for her, it was a matter of survival. It was a matter of resources. I'm sure you can connect with the father, though, because that was a family member. A family member was lost. And if you had a family member that was lost, what lengths would you go to? Would you fly halfway around the world? Would you put your own life in danger? Would you put all that you had on the line for the sake of the salvation of that one person. You probably would. You probably would. In fact, you'd probably do it for someone else's kid, like that doctor we just heard on the, uh, on the screen talk about. But the end result, when you do, there is great, great rejoicing. And you could only imagine the party when the prodigal son returned and uh, they killed the fatted calf and they all rejoiced. And when these 12 cave boys, you got that other video there, when these 12 cave boys got out of the, um, uh, were, were rescued from the depths of the cave. Let's have a look. And uh, Eileen. That'll do. That, that's, that's the cave. That's, that's the cave boy school. And look, the truth of the matter is, it wasn't just the cave boy school. There was rejoicing all around the world that spontaneously erupted when those who were lost 
was safe and sound when those who were in perilous danger were found. And you know something? That's exactly what happens in heaven. Um, in fact, G- Jesus talks about this time and time again. That uh, when I was saved, when I finally gave my life over to the direction of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, there was a huge banner in heaven with my name on it. And there was a great party held because I, who was lost, was now found. Right? And the same for you. When you handed your life over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, there was a huge party in heaven. And on that banner was your name. And, and, and it was like this, yeah, we weren't sure. It was uncertain. It was touch and go. But in the end, they came through. And I don't know who it was who came through for you. Somebody, somebody prayed. Uh, somebody brought you to church. Uh, somebody somewhere told you about Jesus. And all of heaven was watching on with bated breath. There was that sense of, are they, aren't they? Will they respond? Won't they respond? Will they understand the gravity of their need of a saviour or not? And if you're in this room tonight and you're not saved, you don't, you've never made that, that, that decision. You need to know that there is a heaven, in heaven there is a banner with your name on it. And there's a party waiting to happen. <laughs> and the sooner you come across, the sooner the party can get going. The sooner you recognise your need for salvation and give your life to Jesus Christ, the sooner the party can happen. So, if the uh, team want to join me up the platform, this is what I want you to watch for. I said search and recovery mode. I want you to put the last screen up for me if you could please. Three things I want you to look for when you go about your life this week, next week, the following week. This is what I want you to look These are three clues. Somebody who is lost and just maybe, just maybe is ready to be found. What is it? What have we got? No, clue number one. Um, things are not going well. These are the three forget-me-nots, all right? The first forget-me-not is things are not going well. If someone says to you, things are not going well, oh, pick it up on that, right? That's the search and recovery mode. You're in search and recovery mode, right? That's like, a, that's like I think I heard something. I think I heard a cry. I think they're over here. Things are not going well. Number, no, number one in the three forget-me-nots. I was not prepared for stuff happened. I didn't see it coming. You get the idea there. If things are not going well or something's happened that's taken me by surprise. Uh, I was not prepared for this. Oh, oh, I think I hear a voice. So that was a cry. Maybe they're over here. Come on, let's go over here. But whatever the cost, whatever it takes, I think I heard a noise. I was not prepared for. And the third, forget me not. I'm not from around here. (laughs) I'm new to town. Oh, you're new to town? You haven't made connections yet? You haven't got your roots down yet? You're still a little bit insecure? I can tell you this. I can tell you this. Listen to this. Uh, Transitions. Did you know transitions are times where people are vulnerable to new suggestions? Good and bad, just quietly. (laughs) Uh, When you're leaving school and you're going to university, that's a very dangerous time. 
very dangerous time because you're leaving behind the old and you're about to embrace the new. And when you embrace the new, you kind of, you know, well, I'm not sure where true north is now. I'm not, not quite sure where my roots lie now. And, and, and you're open to fresh and new influences. Um, uh, you just got married. Um, what direction are you going to take? Uh, this is a new day for me, right? This is a new season. It's something new. And, uh, and the old is gone. The new has come. And that's a vulnerable stage. When you finish university, you get a job. It's a vulnerable stage. Transitions are vulnerable times in your life. You leave one job, you go to another. It's a vulnerable time. You move from one city to another city. It's a vulnerable time. It's a time when people are open to new things because they have to be. And when someone says, I'm not from around here, immediately you know, okay, that's a cry. Yeah, okay, I think I heard that. And then we deploy the resources at our disposal. We, we, that's because we're in search and recovery mode. Search of every day, we're in search and recovery mode. Listen, listening for those three forget-me-nots knowing that that which is lost is of so much value to God that he sent his only begotten son Jesus Christ he spared no resources we've just come around the communion table a moment ago he spared nothing because that which was lost was of so much value and this city is full of lost people they might annoy you. <laughs> uh, sometimes you might want to, you know, get them out of your way, get them out of your life because they're causing you heartache, they're causing you pain. They're lost. And they are of immense value to God. What you have to do is adopt the, 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 that position of search and recovery. You know what it is because you've lost your credit card, you've lost your keys, for crying out loud. I could have gone there. You've lost your keys. And you've been in that search and recovery mode. Where's my keys? Where's my keys? Where's my keys? And now we're in search and recovery mode. Where's the lost children of Christ? Where's the lost children of Christ? I'm new around here. Oh, there's one. I, 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 wasn't, ex- I, I, I wasn't expecting this. I, I'm not ready for that. Oh, there, there, there's one. Things are not going well. There's one. There's a lost child of God. I'm going to pursue with all of my heart. Let's stand together. We're going to pray. Father, we can only start to comprehend and imagine how much lost people matter to you. Lord, tomorrow we're going to bump into them the petrol station, the workplace, at the shopping centre, in the schoolyard, at the, in a lecture, wherever it might be, we're going to bump into people who you are praying for, whom your heart is breaking for right now. Father God, I pray, Lord, whilst all of us, no doubt, have got things we've got to get done and no doubt all of us are busy and all of us have an agenda to fulfil, God, help us just get outside of ourselves a little bit to be in that search and recovery mode for Jesus.
Well, for every person in this room who's even over these, this last hour or two thought about their week and thought about people they've got to see and things they've got to tick off and responsibilities they have to fulfill. Lord, help us prioritise the search and recovery mode that you prioritised when you were here 2,000 years ago seeking and saving, searching and recovering the lost. Lord, and we, we, we're believing Lord, even as we move into the springtime, that we'll, we'll see a harvest in this church as men and women, as young people, seeking and searching, being lights in the darkness, bringing lost people and helping them find relationship in Jesus Christ. Just while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I just sense tonight that God wants to use, use you, use you in this harvest of souls. I know there are people in this room and man, there's been times when you've been on, you've had that fire of God and you've been out there seeking and searching for the lost and maybe you've lost that hunger, you've lost that desire, you've lost that passion. You need to re rekindle that, you need to refire that in you where life's become really about you and your agenda and we can get so busy, so busy that we walk straight past the thing that is lost and we don't even see it. Straight past the person who is hurting and we don't even notice. But tonight you say, you know God, I just need that fire in my belly and my eyes opened afresh. Lord, give me that fire for you and that fresh eyes to see the lost if that's you just right where you are just lift up your hand and go yeah I need that tonight I need that fresh desire for God and those those eyes just hold a hand up I'm going to pray for you right where you are in Jesus name thank you Lord thank you Lord Father God you see those people whose hands are raised in this room right now Lord and I just pray I pray for fruit that remains Lord I, I pray that Father God these people each one of them Lord has the incredible privilege of joining a heavenly party and seeing a lost person saved in the next three or four weeks. Lord, in this month of September, Father God, we commit this to you tonight. I just pray, Lord, let their eyes be open right now in Jesus' name to see beyond just what we see in the physical realm, to see into that spiritual, Lord, and to see just as it were, Lord, people lost in a cave of darkness. Lord, they'd see people lost in darkness and ready to be released in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here uh, tonight and you don't know Jesus and you want to get a party going in heaven right now, <laughs> you want to say, hey, I'm, I'm here. Lord, I want you in my life. Just wait our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. We're going to um, sing a song in just a moment. But if that's you, I'd love the opportunity to pray for you tonight. This is one who I'm praying for. If tonight you so want to say yes to Jesus. You want to say, yeah, I've, I've wandered away, but I want to secure my heart and my life firmly on the rock Christ Jesus. I want to say yes to Jesus. If that's you in this room tonight, why don't you just take your hand, hold up and give me a wave. I'm going to pray for you as well before we close our service and we sing this final song. If that's you, give me a wave and we'll pray together. That'd be fantastic. 
you for listening to this podcast.